Parents who have children with special needs are doing it tough. The 2020 Carer Wellbeing Survey stated that twice as many carers reported low wellbeing as compared to the general population. Today on Feed Play Love, we're talking about a new app that's bringing those parents together. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. Raising a child with special needs can be an incredibly isolating experience. While other children are off on playdates or at sport, you're taking your child to doctors and therapy sessions. And when your friends are catching up, you have your hands full supporting your child. So how do we help those parents who are feeling more isolated, given they're looking after a child with special needs? Now there's a new app that aims to bring those parents together to offer them support and understanding as they raise their kids. The app is called Kindship and one of the co-founders is Sandy Golder. Hi Sandy, how are you? Hi, awesome, thank you. So happy to be here. You have a very personal connection with this app, as do all the other co-founders and women who contributed to this. But let's talk about your experience Tell us about your daughter, Imogen. How old is she? She is 11 and a half going on 17. (laughs) (laughs) Which is every every parent's (laughs) nightmare. How would you describe her character? Uh, Feisty, fiercely independent, very curious and quite mischievous. Oh, oh dear. Yeah, it's a good combo. (laughs) (laughs) All heading into the teenage years. How old was she when she was diagnosed? I believe, was it with autism and ADHD? Uh, So she was diagnosed with autism when she was two and a half and a global development delay. And then when she turned seven, she was diagnosed with ADHD, um, anxiety, and then the global development delay changed to moderate intellectual disability. Those those are two very significant um, diagnoses at very different times of her life. What was that process like when she was two and a half? I suppose I kind of went into it blind. Like I didn't understand the significance of it at the time. We, um, My mum kind of just said to me, oh, she's not really talking that much when she was about two. And um, I'm like, oh, I wasn't too worried because our son was quite a late talker. So I was like, not not super concerned. But um, we booked in to see a paediatrician anyway, took six months to get in. That's actually quick now, so I feel blessed. Yes. <laughs> it was quite quick. And they did some tests and, yeah, she she got her diagnosis of autism and the intellectual delay. I think at the time I actually kind of felt relieved. And some people, you know, have the opposite experience, but I kind of felt like I had direction and I could then get her the supports that she required um, rather than trying just to flounder around guessing at what, what she needed. And was that what happened? Was it? easy to find the support she required? No, no. They, uh, I feel like people will probably disagree with me for in our experience. I felt like starting early intervention then was probably too soon for her. Like we would spend an hour in the speech therapist's office with her screaming and hiding under tables. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, is this really what therapy is supposed to be like? Like it just didn't make yeah. sense to me. As she's gotten older, obviously there's been much more benefits, but when she was that little, I'm yeah. just not sure. And I know for different people, early intervention does different things. But yes. for Emmy, at that stage, I don't think it was. Well, know. that's the thing, isn't it? We are always told every child is different. And surely in this case, it's the same. Yeah. And even within the, the autism diagnoses and the spectrum, it's so wide and so varied. 
I feel that must be a main part of the challenge for parents. Finding the right support is uh, finding the right people to help your child. Absolutely. And because everybody's different, there's no one right way to do things. However, we're kind of led to believe that there is. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's been quite the journey. I think that I found the seven-year-old diagnosis process actually harder. Yeah. It's like, here we go, adding some more letters to her name and, you know, like that type of thing. Why did um, it come at seven? What was it, what was it that sort of um, was I the think catalyst? As she got older, some of the more, the ADHD traits become more obvious. And Can I ask what they are? Because I know people have in their mind yes. what it might be, but it's very different for girls and boys. And Yeah. And look, I'm, I'm a teacher, high school teacher by trade. So before Imogen was diagnosed with ADHD, I'd was really ignorant and just thought they were the naughty kids. So, and I think a lot of people have that that understanding. And for Imogen, she's quite hyperactive, but very impulsive. So when I started doing some research, that the, the pediatrician actually said to me, go home, get a bottle of wine, and then sit in front of this video <laughs> on YouTube. And he goes, it's really boring. However, the information's really good. And I, I, it went for like four hours. I watched the first hour and that, wow. I got what I needed out of it. But he explained how different parts of the brain with ADHD are overdeveloped and underdeveloped. So that part of the brain where they get the impulses is really like early developed, but yeah. the part where they filter those actions is not. So they're missing the filter. And that's why often they have ah. these big behaviours or do these things like um, we've had quite the week as I was explaining to you on the way in and, you know, we, we've got a new hole in the wall and as soon as she did it, she went, fix it, like, and she was sorry, but mm. she just couldn't help it in that moment. And I could see that she was actually really upset that she'd done it, but that filter beforehand just wasn't there. Wow. I mean, that in itself is such a a, a big thing that she's heading into puberty without that filter. I think that's what we're really struggling with at the moment. Yeah, um, that's we've had tough. A, yeah, we've had a paediatrician appointment this week and we were talking about this whole stage of life and she's still having those urges to be independent and, like, a child at her age doesn't usually spend so much time with the parents or at school or with grandparents or you know, that type of thing. So she's seeking the independence but then doesn't have the executive functioning skills to, to manage those situations. And then we have the explosiveness on top of that. Of course, because she's like, why not? Yes. Why can't I go there? And she's fiercely independent and wants what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> In my experience as a parent, one of the things that has always been a, a balm when things get tough is being able to connect with other parents, which is why I love my mother's group so much. Like we all, even now, 10 years on from the first mother's group, we're still great friends and we've kind of laughingly said we need each other now even more. Like this is going to be like back at the beginning as they yes. go through puberty. But I imagine that when you have a child with special needs, it's not so easy to find your people what has that experience been like for you, given that she was diagnosed so early on? Yeah. It, it's, it is very tricky, particularly like when Imogen was quite young, I would say from about three to five, we had a period where we really couldn't go anywhere, even to like family events because of some of her behaviours and trying to keep others safe around her. And I feel like we're kind of moving back into that phase now <laughs> where we're going to have to isolate ourselves a bit, which is actually like upsetting and 
yeah. and quite terrifying because well, I'm quite a social have, person. And you have a, a son, yes. you're saying. So yeah. Yeah. how has that impacted him? Oh, it's tricky. I've actually been chatting with his school this week as well about supports we can get in place for him because he just got, he's an amazing like little human and just goes along with it and, you know, does his best and he has his own thing. So he's got his footy and his sport and, you know, yeah. he's, he has all those things, but he's often the one to compromise or the one that has to miss things because something's come up or we or just Or the can't. one where parents aren't there to watch him because yes. you have to be with your kid. Yeah. that That's hard for him, but that's also so hard for you. Yeah, it is. And it is isolating. And I suppose... Um, that couple years when Amy was younger made me realise I didn't actually want to do that again. Yes. And um, I think technology is an amazing thing. And whilst COVID was really traumatic, it was actually great in teaching people how to make the most of technology because so often us as parents of kids with disabilities are really isolated and our ability to socialise is compromised. And we know that's a core human need. So you know, that loneliness is a, is a massive factor when we talk about well-being. And I feel like now I'm much more equipped to reach out. You know, this week I've had a really, as I mentioned, had a challenging week and I've just had so many of our online community like rally behind and offer support and, and not even like, not to like try and fix it, but just to hold space. I can understand because there's so many people try and, and understand, but unless you're living it, you really, you, you just... You just don't know. You just don't. You don't know what's happening behind closed doors for people. Obviously, this brings us to the app. And Summer is your CEO and founder. Did she bring you all together or how did how did it happen? So we've got this real need that you can feel and, and know is there. Um, but I guess it's also in from the outside looking in, I'm also like... So how, when that's on your plate, do you find time to create an app with an incredible website and all of the things? It's kind of been one of those stories where the universe works in mysterious ways and you meet the right people at the right time. So Summer actually worked at my daughter's school. Oh, wow. And that's how we met initially, um, very briefly. And so Summer is a speech therapist by trade. And when she was there, she saw how much parents really um, needed the support of like the staff there in terms of that like emotional well-being support and she thought there should be something else like there should be a way for parents to connect with one another and really share those experiences so she did lots of research she's spoken to hundreds of parents like even across like different countries and um, surveyed them to find out what they needed and her husband is like a techno wizard, so yes, that's where the helpful. app comes in. Yes. <laughs> um, so they come up with the idea of having this app to connect parents and provide that peer-to-peer support. I, on the other hand, had developed like an online community on social media, which was which was connecting parents in that yes. space. Um, and we, my business partner Steph and I, had been doing that for three years, um, and summer. And her husband, Andreas, found that they got to this point with the app where they had all the, the tech there, but they were really missing kind of like the, the heartbeat of yes, it. And that's yes. they reached out to us and um, were like, how would you feel? Like, we're trying to achieve the same thing. How would you feel about merging together? Yeah. So that's been a really exciting experience. And I think really powerful in that we have our own space now. We're not trying to build a community and, and someone else's tech. Yes, exactly. And you're sort of beholden to the things that they throw at it you. It kind of worried me that what what would happen if one day this tech didn't exist? Yes. Like what would happen to our community? How would they 
be supported on a daily basis. So whilst they're building great relationships and often meet up like in real real life, yes. um, that daily day-to-day contact is so important. And if that was taken away, I know I would struggle. So And like I feel like I'm quite resilient. So I know there'd be lots of people who would really struggle if it, if it mm. was taken away. And from friends that I have who have children with special needs, one of the things as a parent who doesn't have, a, have children with special needs that is really challenging is that, like you said, people can be empathetic, people can try to help, but they really don't know. Yeah. But also, depending on the person's character, as you mentioned, it's hard to reach out for help. One, because your child is tricky, so you don't necessarily want to say to your bestie, can you come and watch him for an hour? I need to take a walk because, you know, yeah. that's not going to work. Yeah. But having that reticence to ask for help, how do you get those parents onto that app and say, look, because I can, I can see how incredibly hard and isolating it is. You know, we can say that, but when you see it and you're like, I want to help, but I can't. Yeah. How do you reach those parents who are there and they're just, you know, they're under the tidal wave? Do you know what? Like when I was going through that phase myself, I actually didn't want to, like people want, like, here, call me or talk to this person because they have a child with autism or ADHD or, or whatever. And I was not up for the call. However, I was up for scrolling and I was up for like, yes. I'm almost like stalking other people's stuff. So and seeing I, what they were trying, right? Exactly. Yeah, totally. It? Like, or just knowing that I'm not the only one, I think, mm. is really powerful. Yes. Because um, otherwise, you compare yourself yes. to parents who, oh, they've got their stuff together. Maybe they look like it, but they also don't have a child who's, you know, not sleeping yes. and they're eight or they're communicating. And yeah, yeah. And I, I think like our social media highlight reels. That, that, yes. I mean, that's what social media is for, but that's really unhelpful in our situations. So being able to, I suppose, with the app, we're actually finding it is difficult to get people to move away from social media that they're currently used to because yes. it's like, oh, I've got to learn another thing. <laughs> like, we've <laughs> yes. tried to make it as easy as possible and it is quite user-friendly, um, yes. but getting them to take the leap is, you know, certainly something that we're we're working on and I, I you know, opportunities like this to share what we do is really important for us so we can get the word out because it is such a valuable resource. And I think once parents come in and they experience, I like to call it wisdom sharing, like we we are all about the value of parents' lived experience and that being able to help one another because as we said, like one therapy might work with one child and not with another and one strategy might work with one child, but there might be 15 other ways that you can try to do that. So I suppose our space really gives parents the opportunity to share that knowledge with one another, but also receive it and ask for advice. Um, and I just feel like it's invaluable having that. And we have um, not only like a news feed as such, um, but also uh, audio rooms. So it's kind of like an, a live podcast as such. So they can ask questions, they can connect with one another and share in real time, which we find is just like so helpful, especially when you're on the run and you don't have time to sit down and like look into it. Yeah. So tell us about the app. So we mentioned it's called Kindship. Is it a is it free? Is it subscription based? How does it work? No, it's a free app. Yep, completely free. Um, so basically, people will come on. They'll set up a profile, 
um, and they'll share like the child's diagnosis if they these things are all optional as well but to maximize the the um, way the app works the diagnosis of of your children or child and location and that allows us to actually connect you with other parents in your area or with the same diagnosis journey because we find that people want to get to know people who are either close by or are on that, that same journey. And you'll probably, if you're in a similar area, be using similar services if... Yes. Well, that allows them then to share what's happening with, say, speech therapists or OTs or paediatricians and, you know, talk about wait lists or talk about who they would recommend. Um, we also have meet in-person meetups, so we don't want people to get stuck just online as well. So when possible, you know, being able to access one of our meetups for a coffee date or brunch or... Um, a walk and talk or, you know, there's lots of different um, meetups popping up everywhere. But being able to know the location is really helpful for that. And such great friendships we've seen really form that just it helps um, our community grow those local support networks so they don't feel so isolated. So someone can drop off a coffee if they're having a bad day or, you know, pick up their groceries or just that kind of everyday practical support that often we feel like we don't get. Now, I don't want to sound like a cynic because that sounds all amazing, but if it's free, did you have to have a business model to keep it going? Like how is it supported? Yeah, so currently we have some investors and we also have some government grant funding, innovation grant funding with the South Australian government. So we're hoping to expand upon that. That's fabulous. This app sounds so exciting, so needed. So I hope that if someone is listening to this interview and is feeling like they're under that tidal wave to just hopefully you can give yourself some space and then download the app or even download the app now and start scrolling through, get a feel for it, see if this is what you need and this is what will help you because I know that parents who have children that need extra support and are challenging to take out into the world. It is so hard, but they have such big hearts. These parents, you know, they work so hard for their kids and there's just so little support for them. So I think it's amazing. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. That's Sandy Golder. She's a co-founder of Kinship, the app. So if you or someone you know might be interested in this app, make sure you go to the links in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.